Lee Kamard out, just just six seven guy mowing your lawn. Like <laughs> Kraft macaroni and cheese flavored ice cream. <laughs> are, are you are you running out to get some of it as it uh, drops today for National Mac and Cheese Day? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Okay, after Zach Wilson's freshman year, there were a couple of people who were really high on him. Yesterday we talked to Cam Miller, who, uh, you know, called him uh, a tremendous player and, and he's going to be a high draft pick, blah, blah, blah. Took the victory lap yesterday. Yes, he did. We're having another victory lap situation here today with former BYU quarterback Jake Heaps, uh, who, after the 2018 season, freshman year, on August 20th, 2019, said the following. And to me, I'll just say this right out of the gate, Jerem. I believe that Zach Wilson is a first-round talent. Firmly believe wow. that. Um, I, and it's not overhyped. The kid has it. He's got the size. He has the arm talent. He has the athletic ability. Um, he's got things that I certainly didn't have. Um, I wasn't a dual-threat guy. But I believe that Zach Wilson, over time, um, has that ability to be a first-round pick. Well, well, well. Yes, he was. In fact, he was almost the first overall pick. Uh, he was the second pick, of course. Jake Heaps now joins us uh, from ESPN 710 in Seattle. Uh, coaches at Elite 11, the Russell Wilson Quarterback Academy. That's my quarterback. Former BYU quarterback. And now he added Ninja Warrior to the resume this week. Jake, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, man. Congrats on uh, w- winning the Zach Wilson sweepstakes two years ago. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. Super pumped to be back with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun when you get these predictions right. Um, and uh, it turns out I'm a better evaluator than I am uh, than I was a player. Uh, but, uh, you know, when it comes to guys like Zach Wilson, I had a unique background with him just in the sense that I got a chance to see him coming out of high school at one of the Elite 11 camps in Oakland. And this kid really stood out to me. Um, you know, it was, it was funny because he went there and his mindset, he was just really kind of overwhelmed, excited to be there. Just, man, the Elite 11, the bigness of it. And he didn't necessarily, you know, blow the doors off of all the evaluators. But I really was impressed with what I saw from him. I go back, watch his film at Canyon Corner, and I'm like, I, I, I kid you not, guys, I'm like sitting by myself at my house, and I'm watching this film, and I'm almost like looking around like, how the heck is this kid not more highly recruited? And at the time, he was a firm BYU. Or he was a firm Boise State commit, and BYU hadn't really been much in the conversation at that point. You know, just kind of under the radar. I'm going, what the heck is BYU doing right now? Not pursuing <laughs> this kid even harder. And uh, and and I'm and I'm glad it worked out for BYU. And certainly, it wasn't a you know, linear path for Zach Wilson at BYU. It wasn't the cleanest path to get to where he is, but it was zero surprise to me to see where he's at. A tremendous talent, uh, had all the tools to, to be special uh, in the college game, and I'm really, really excited to see what he does with the New York Jets. Well, this is what always fascinates me, when, especially with players who get identified Early, early in their career. And like you were saying, it was a situation where you saw him early and there was just something about him that stood out. What is it 
that allow because when you're in those elite 11 camps everybody for the most part is pretty equal they're all really really good so what is it about Zach or just the evaluation process that that sometimes you can just spot things early I'm fascinated by that yeah there's a couple aspects that really stood out to me is one a lot of these kids are really polished you know quarterback training is the norm now when I was coming out of high school it was still something that some kids did but it was it was still unique it was still rare uh, for every quarterback across the country to have their own trainer, to be working with somebody. I was one of those guys just because I was such a gym rat and was such a seeker. Uh, but, uh, you know, Zach was more of kind of the opposite way. He had done some trainings, but, but just really raw. And one of the things that really stood out to me was his athleticism, how explosive he was, how twitchy he was, whether it was running the football, whether it was throwing the football, and you really do some, you know, upside projections with Zach Wilson, and it's really if he goes to the right system, if he's in the right place, if he has the right ecosystem around him offensively from a coaching staff perspective, man, this kid could really turn into something special. And so his ceiling was extremely, extremely high compared to some of these other quarterbacks that, yeah, they might have been further along in the process at the high school level, but, you know, they're their upside, their ceiling uh, wasn't much greater than where they were at that current time. And so those are the things that stood out to me about Zach Wilson. Uh, the other thing that stood out to me about him is, you know, I had a chance to train him again after his freshman year. Uh, and just the confidence, the, the, the natural confidence that he has in himself that isn't forced, that isn't, uh, you know, something that he tries to show off to everybody. It's just who he is. And that is a unique, special trait that you have to have as a quarterback these days. Uh, the, all the great ones have it, but especially when it comes to the days of social media and social platforms and all the, uh, you know, the famous uh, uh, UIU chat rooms and all this stuff. I mean, you just got to have an incredible, you know, confidence in who you are and really have a great understanding of who you are and not, you know, get your validation from other people around you. Talking to Jay Keeps on BYU Sports Nation. Obviously, you were on Ninja Warrior this week. Uh, you know, you were hoping to finish and move on. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Whatever. What? How did you get that invite? And what was that experience like? Let me be clear, okay? Let me be clear. My hope was to get past the first obstacle. That was my <laughs> goal, right then and there. It was funny. They take you through the process, guys. They they you don't get to run the course. You don't get to try out different things. You don't even know what the course is going to be until you show up. So when you talk about these athletes that make it through these ninjas, I mean, it is incredible what these guys do. So if you're sitting there on your couch and you're watching these guys, you're going, ah, nah, I could do that. Ah, I could do that. No, you can't. Like, like <laughs> just trust me, you can't. And they're walking me through the course and they're taking me step by step. Here's the rules. Here's this and that. And they get to about opposite obstacle number two obstacle number three and in my mind i'm going guys you really don't need to take me past the other part of the courses uh because i'm not getting that far but i'm just nodding my head along like yep yep got it yeah I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you if i get to this point i'll totally nail that um but it's incredible what they do uh it, it was such a fun experience i got a call guys out of the blue just driving home got a call answered it uh, and, uh, hey, this is one of the producers for American Ninja Warrior. We'd love to have you on the show. Uh, we're going to be filming here in, in Washington, and, and we love your story and all that. And I was like, are you, this is who? Are you kidding me? 
and and I, it was too, it was too great of an opportunity to pass up. Uh, although there was a lot of fears and a lot of anxiety about, gosh, what are people going to say about me? And this is totally completely out of my comfort zone. Uh, I just went for it, and I'm really glad I did. It was such a fun experience. It was it, it was a blast. When you got that call, you probably thought you were getting punked by a buddy or something. Like- I did. I did. I totally did, guys. And, and I texted my wife, and I said, you'll never believe who called me. And she's like, now, like, is it, are you sure they're not trying to, like, get to somebody else that you, that, you know, other people that you know or whatever? I'm like, thanks, babe. I appreciate the support. You <laughs> know, confidence. Thank you wrestle. so much. They wanted to wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> well, how, yeah, exactly. Jake, how do you even train for this? Because as you mentioned, you didn't even get a chance to see the obstacle course. And it's not like, like there are people who are in really good shape that, that aren't going to be in good enough shape to be able to do something like that. I've even seen a lot of the participants in this, they'll create their own obstacle course at home or somewhere to be able to train for stuff like that. How did, how did you even train to be able to do this? Well, to be honest, guys, this has been such a phenomenon in terms of American Ninja Warrior and such a special, unique community. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, the nicest people, they're competitors, but they are the nicest people you'll come across. It's a very supportive community. Um, and so when I announced that I was going to do it, there was actually a couple uh, ninja gyms, believe it or not, that, uh, that were around here that reached out to me and said, hey, we would love to train you uh, if you want to do it. Uh, and, and, you know, took them up on that offer, obviously. But there are, you know, people that are setting stuff up in their backyards now. There's gyms specifically solely for these purposes. Um, and, guys, it is training unlike anything you've ever done. It's all about grip strength. It's all about your forearms, your shoulders. Uh, if anybody sits there and tries to say, if I was ever in a situation where I was hanging off a cliff and my life depended on it, I would hold on no matter, no matter what. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're probably going to fall off. Like That's probably the end because the amount of grip strength you have to have to you know, be successful in, in American Ninja Warrior, it's, it's incredible. And I'll never forget the first workout that I did. A lot of it's dead hanging, uh, pull-ups, uh, holding on ropes, all these things. And my guys, my forearms were completely blown out. I couldn't even, I could barely pick up a pen uh, after I was done with this workout. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was an incredible experience. So much respect for uh, the ninjas uh, that participate in this every year. Uh, it, it was it was a very eye-opening experience, but it was so much fun to get in a competitive environment again, to have the adrenaline running uh, before you go out. And guys, to be honest, the, the most special thing for me was seeing my family up there on the screen watching me do this. My my you know son Jackson, four year old at the time, and my son Bodie, one you know, and my and my wife cheering me on like I got emotional. You know, I'm sitting there like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Uh, you know, it just was such a cool moment, and uh, I'm really glad we got to experience that and share it together. We're talking to Jay Keeps on BYU Sports Nation. I was going to watch Vertical Limit later, but I apparently I'm not after that, uh, you know, uh, chat with Jake. Um, I wanted to ask you about Puka Nakua, a little off the radar, obviously transferring from Washington to BYU. You pay attention to UW and the Huskies, of course, there in Seattle. What kind of player is he? Because we think he could be the leading receiver this year. Kid from Warham, goes to Washington, transfers back to BYU, comes home, as we like to say. But uh, we have high ex- expectations for Puka. What do you think of him? Well, you should have high expectations for Puka. Um, 
you know, I was, I, I've had the unique opportunity to see him up close and personal. You guys all know Ross Oppo uh, and the great work he does there uh, with a lot of the receivers and skill position guys uh, there in Utah. And, and so I had a chance to see Pooh to get to know him quite a bit, actually, before he committed to UW. And I, I thought he was tremendously talented and tremendously special. And it just unfortunately didn't work out here at UW. Not, not because of Puka, but because of this offense and what they were running here at UW. It just didn't, just didn't highlight his strengths. And I, I thought he was right to transfer out to go to BYU to, to be in an offense that's a little bit more explosive, that's going to pass the ball more. And uh, your guys' expectations that he's the leading receiver, I think, are very justified. And I think that he's going to live up to that billing. So I'm very excited for Puka. Uh, and, and I think uh, he, he's going to do great things there at BYU this year. Uh, they're, they're, he has all the talent in the world to, to be able to get that done. The question, Jake, is which quarterback is going to be throwing passes to Puka and the rest of the receivers this year? You obviously uh, certainly qualified uh, to talk about quarterbacks and quarterback battles at BYU. What do you make of the three quarterbacks vying for the starting job in Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, and the freshman Jacob Conover? Yeah, it's a really unique situation, guys, because once you head into training camp with not two, but three, it's already hard enough as it is with two. You get three involved. Uh, it can, I just got to be honest with you. It, it concerns me uh, to the point where how are you divvying up those reps? How long are you divvying up those reps? Because the quite honest truth is, is that you didn't get spring ball. You didn't get the opportunity to get these guys reps and to really you know, filter this thing out and get down to two quarterbacks at this point in time. So how long are you going to play with that if you're the offensive staff, if you're, if you're Aaron Roderick? Because you've got to narrow this thing down. You've got to get a starter prepared and ready uh, if you want to be successful this season. And, and so that's going to be a unique challenge. Jaron Hall obviously has very unique traits. His athletic ability uh, really brings a lot to the table. And I think that if you're just looking at upside, Jaron Hall is a guy that I think you might be pulling for quietly behind the scenes. Uh, obviously, with Baylor Romney and, and uh, Jacob Conover, those are two traditional pocket passers that can run the system uh, that I think can do a good job. You worry about Jacob Conover just being a freshman, but he's got a unique sense and confidence about him that I, I think he could pull it off and, and be successful. I've been around him before, and I, and I really like him. Uh, and, and I think Baylor Romney, uh, he's got the leg up on everybody just through the experience of being able to start an actual game uh, and play against legit competition. But my only concern about Baylor, and this is, again, this, they've not had practice, so this is not Baylor's fault, is, all right, you've had this leg up in competition and experience, and yet you haven't pulled away in the minds of the coaches. So that part of it concerns me as well. So overall, I think that these are three capable guys that can really be successful within your program, but it's a matter of time. It's a matter of reps. And if we're past two weeks, guys, and there's not a definitive answer on where we're at, I'm going to be a little bit concerned. Yeah, I agree. And and asked Aaron Roderick as much, like, how long until you figure this out? Because I would think you'd want two weeks of number one reps going to that guy. So we'll see what happens. But uh, just a couple weeks away from – Fall camp, we look forward to it. Jake, congratulations on uh, getting on Ninja Warrior, and we appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys, anytime, uh, and uh, always a blast. So thank you, and uh, have a good rest of your day. Okay, thanks. Jake Heaps on BYU Sports Nation. He does great work with uh, ESPN 710 
uh, in Seattle, and uh, yeah, he's 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 made a nice li- like he has carved out a fantastic so, post playing career. So he's on the radio in Seattle. He also trains quarterbacks with the Russell Wilson Academy. Hey, that's not a bad place to that's be. That's not a bad place to be. Yeah, I'm happy great, for Jake Heaps. Great insight. One thing maybe he didn't know, BYU did have a spring ball, but his point is right of like, hey, if you're the guy, you didn't pull away. Right. Um, so, which means, hey, uh, it was great that BYU has all this talent, but they're pretty neck and neck. That's a good thing and a bad thing. It would have been nice to have the summer of just like, yep, this guy's the guy, whoever it is. Uh, but... I think they need to make that decision pretty quickly internally. Whether they announce that or not is different, but uh, we'll see. When Taysom Hill and Tanner Mangum in 2016 battled out for a couple days, it was quickly said Taysom right. Hill's the guy. Hey, look, and like, that very well may that very well, well may be the case. Or we just we just won't know until we get there. Based on our conversation on Media Day with Aaron Roddick, I think they won't actually announce it until that guy rolls out on the first series. That's how tight I think this staff wants to keep it. But we'll see. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Starting uh, Monday, the National College Football Award Association watch list will come out. Bednarik and Maxwell are first up, and then boom, 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 for like two or three weeks we get these watch lists, which fill our July and early August, right? Mm-hmm. So, in the spirit of that, we, are, we have created the inaugural Brian Logan Swaggy Award watch list, which the criteria is swag and production. So who is on this watch list for BYU, Brian? Uh, so the first person I, w- I would say uh, would be Puka Nakua. Mm. Um, I remember this is when he was, he was training in high school with Ross Apo. And I remember Ross was talking smack to me, you know, uh, on the field. And he was like, I'll, I'll line him up and, and we'll bet for money that he'll beat you off the line of scrimmage. And I remember, you know, I was in slippers and everything. I was like, no, nah, I'm grown man. And he's a little kid. And he You're came. Slippers? I was in slippers. And he okay. came He came up to the line of scrimmage with so much. And this, mind you, he's in high school, right? Came into that line of scrimmage with so much confidence. I was like, hold on, wait a minute. Let me rethink. <laughs> Let me rethink this here real fast. But when you look at at, at what he did, you know, last year, um, or at Washington, when you look at the hype, when you look at, I would say just the, how he carries himself. It's it's a it's a confidence, and I think that's really what swag to me is. Is, is a confidence. It's not necessarily like, oh, I'm wearing this or I'm doing that or style or whatever it's just the confidence um that you have in yourself right you, you you're centered and and you know who you are and so he would be first person um uh, i but would you say you already got to but you do have to produce you, but you if, do have exactly if you don't produce you probably aren't confident anyway yeah 100% 100% man and and i think that the, the so the next person when you when you talk about producing um i like i like tyler algier i i and he he has like a smooth swag, you know, where it's like it's, it may not be like a Jamal where after he, you know, scores or, or you know, uh, makes a play, he's going to get up and, and celebrate kind of crazy. It's, it's going to be more just smooth. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, I like Tyler. Um, I think he has a lot of hype as well coming in yep. into, into this season being ranked. Um, the next person I like is Chaz Ahu. I, look, look, check this out, man. 
I like I like just listening to him in his interviews. Like that laid back. So I, I would say I would say he has that laid back swag. You know, still confidence, but it's like I'm more chill. Um, and what, what I what I what I like, or I would say most excited for, is him being healthy. Right. Yes. Be, being the gone, most healthy. He's gone through a lot off the field. And I, and I didn't know that. Right. And so. He's always been somebody on my radar who I, I like to watch, especially, you know, as a defensive player. And to find out that he has not been 100%, I'm like, oh, man, what's, what, what's going to happen, right? As a freshman in 2019, he had some really nice plays. The greatest play from Chaz Ayu so far was BYU is playing Toledo. And in a, late in that game, he gets a, a he forces a fumble mm-hmm. and he, he rips it out. Here it is. He rips it out of the ball carry's arms and takes it away in one motion. Uh, just incredible. Chaz is a fantastic player. Of course, his interception against South Florida. He is going to be a hybrid Diane Gonwoloku, Zane Anderson-like mm-hmm. guy where he, he's a backer safety-ish. He's playing strong safety this year. I'm stoked about it. And, 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 and when you play defense and you're in a position to, um, you know, be kind of this this utility type of guy, you got to bring the hype and the, and, and the excitement and the swag from the celebration standpoint with you. And that's what he does because if the, if the team is down, going back to t- – see, I'm so happy I could bring this right back when you cut me off earlier. 2009, <laughs> 2009 when I made that play and I started jumping up and down. Yeah, it's the play, but it's what you do after as well. It's like, man, you just made a play – and you got everybody juiced. The crowd is juiced. Okay, I'm juiced now. I feel it. Like, your electricity, I feel, has now come to me. Let me go make a play. And, and so with the defensive players, that's what you need, man. You, you got to have that because one play can beat Utah. Remember that. Next person I have is Jaron Hall. Obviously, you know, this, this is somebody I think has a, a mixture of the, the calm swag, um, the laid-back swag, and I would say um, the smooth swag as well. So it, it's, it's kind of all three of those things. And I think as a quarterback, you want, you want those things. Um, being able to be calm and confident, right, not, not being too high, being too low. Uh, but then also when you make a play, being able to, to you know, talk your smack, so to, so, to speak, so to speak, and get everybody else, you know, rallying behind you. Jaron is extremely uh, focused. Yes. He's a dude that, like, He's very businesslike. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be the life of the party guy per se. He wants to get the job done. And as the quarterback, that's what I want from you. I want you to be just crazy prepared and dial in and leader-like, right? If there's anyone who has the least amount of chill, I kind of want the quarterback to be that guy. Oh, and You know what I mean? The 100%. wide receivers are the guys that are going to be the life of the party. And the DBs, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't really like to compare DBs to receivers because, like, like receivers, receivers... I made an offensive comparison. Um, well, I'm just I gonna, apologize. I mean, let me just break it down for a second. Uh, being rece- accurate. Receivers are, are like... We would consider them the pretty boys. Yeah. Or, 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 I, I, no, no, I no. Pre, I say prima donnas. I say prima donnas. I understand. Prima yep. donnas, they're like, ah, they're the sports cars. I don't want to get my hands dirty. Ah, uh, and I would say DBs are more like the, the pretty boys, the swag. You know, like, like we got the swag, but we still will get our hands dirty. You know what I mean? Was that a quote from Dennis Petta? That exactly was. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the, the last, I would say, uh, D'Angelo Mandel. Ooh, I like it. Look, man, I, I, fell, I fell in love with him. I, this is maybe a couple years ago. BYU was was down by a lot. 
and he makes a play on a, on a ball and receiver pass break. And he gets up and he gets in the receiver's face and is talking smack. And the receiver points at the scoreboard, right? Like, you know, like, dude, calm down. And he's like, he's still walking in his face, in his face. Like, no, I, I don't care about the score. This is between me and you. And that's what you want to have with the DB, right? In a corner, you want to have that type of swag. And, and so D'Angelo, you know, Mandel, thank you for bringing that type of attitude. Puka Nakua, Tyler Algier, Chaz Ayu, Jaron Hall, D'Angelo Mandel on the inaugural Brian Logan Swaggy Award Watch List. <laughs> we will pay this off later in the week. Yes, sir. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Ten lists in ten weeks. It's Jerem, 10 and 10. Running back edition, honorable mention. I know BYU doesn't play Stanford, but Hamahim really works here, so his brother Houston at Stanford, fullback, honorable mention. Very nice. Number 10, Craig Squirrel Williams, Baylor, 5'8", 173. 28 career carries, so not a lot, but in five games over two seasons, 8.3 yards per rush, three touchdowns. What will Jeff Grimes do with Craig Williams? Nine yards per carry and three or Three of five games. Injured in 2019 and ended 2020 injured. If he's healthy, poised to break out here. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with the, with Jeff Grimes being in charge of the offense down there. Plus, it is one of the most anticipated reunions between BYU and Baylor. Apparently. Yeah, apparently. Schedules. Number nine, Devontae Henry Cole, Utah State. Remember him! Utah transferred to BYU for a minute and then Utah State. Never suited up for the Cougs. 5'8", 195, senior, again. Hasn't rushed for more than 279 yards in a season, but I think he's at least a 500-yard dude this year if he gets the chance. There's still time to transfer to Weber or Dixie. Oh, my God. Try and get them all. Get out of here. Number eight, Cyrus Habibi Likio, Boise State. 6'1", 215, Oregon transfer. 21 rushing touchdowns in three years in Eugene. Three and a half yards carry isn't great, but touchdowns are 21 TDs in 27 games. That's pretty good. Will Hank Bachmeyer be playing? Because that's really what it boils down to. There it is. That's what it boils down to. Number seven, Vavai Malepei, USC. Senior, six foot, 220, 4.4 yards per carry, three touchdowns in six games in 2020. Does have 1,500 career yards. Will be a fifth-year senior. Five yards a carry, over 300 carries. 17 career touchdowns, 49 catches as well. Against BYU in 2019 in Lavelle Edwards Stadium, had 23 carries, 96 yards, and a touchdown. I have nothing smart Alec, to say because when we're talking about USC running backs, if you're running back yeah. at Southern Cal, uh, you're legit and you're scary. you got to be pretty good. Yeah, you're pretty good. Number six, J.D. King, Georgia Southern. Two years at Oklahoma State, now two years at Georgia Southern. Over 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns. 5.4 yards per carry in seven games in 2020 in the triple option there. In 2017 at Oklahoma State, he had a game with 36 carries, 142 yards at West Virginia. Five 100-yard games, the last 13 he's played. I'm going to chalk that up to a BYU victory. <laughs> okay. Number five, TJ Pledger, Utah. Oklahoma transfer, 5'9", 193. In three years in Norman, had 5.1 yards per carry. Six touchdowns, 695 yards. Highlights include going 120-plus in back-to-back games last year against Texas and TCU. Second most carries in yards last year for the Sooners. Yeah, certainly with the unfortunate situation that Utah found itself in with the running back situation, getting a guy from Oklahoma that's had that type of production, that's that's a big deal. Number four, Max Borgi, Washington State. 5'10", 206. He has 29 touchdowns in 27 games. 
all-purpose running back. Needs 13 touchdowns to become the Cougars' all-time leading TD guy. Third in the Pac-12 in scrimmage yards in 2019, thanks to 86 catches as a running back (laughs) and five touchdowns in 2019. This is a guy you got to pay attention to, not just because of carrying the football, obviously. You mentioned the all-purpose yards. You you cannot relax on him. I'm actually excited to watch him this season. Why would you say actually? Number three, George Holani, Boise State. (laughs) 1,000-yard rusher in 2019 as a freshman. 5.3 yards of carry in two seasons, eight touchdowns. Five receiving touchdowns as well. Went for 100-plus in three games. Had 20 carries, 97 yards against BYU in 2019. Uh, had an MCL tear in 2020. Yeah, that's the, that's the question mark. Are you coming off something like that? How, how are you gonna, we know how good he is and has been. Certainly uh, like to see you know how he is able to come back from that injury. Boise State is like the Denver Broncos used to be. Yep. Thousand-yard rusher. Yep, they just, just churn him out. Number two, Rashad White, Arizona State. This guy's interesting. Small sample size with four games last year, but 10 yards per carry. Tops in the nation. 93-yard TD versus Arizona. I'm hoping Tyler Algier gets one of those. 105 yards a game. Again, four games, but still. Second most returning rushing yards per game in the Pac-12. Five touchdowns. Led the team in receiving yards as well. 571 scrimmage yards in four games. A transfer from Mount Sac. 11 yards a touch. Six touchdowns in four games. Yeah, he is one of the big reasons why the Sun Devils believe they have what it takes to not only win the Pac-12 South, but maybe win the Pac-12. Well, just be BYU. And the top running back BYU will face this fall is Keontae Ingram of USC. A transfer from Texas, six foot, 222, 339 carries in Austin, 1,800 yards, 5.3 yards carry, 11 touchdowns, two seasons over 700 yards, <laughs> 67 grabs for 515 as well. John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News calls him the number two transfer in the conference to look out for. Success at Texas. Now you're gonna now you're gonna be at USC. That's pretty fun life. Yeah, that's not bad. And I go back to what I said. If you're a running back at USC, you're pretty good. I do want to mention uh, Ty Jordan, who tragically passed away on Christmas night uh, last year from Utah, would have been number one on this list. He was incredible. He was incredible. I mean, he he was pacing to be the all-time leading rusher at Utah. He was amazing. So we're still thinking about Ty Jordan, even uh, you know seven. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Tom Homo is on the program on Media Day, and I asked him about Notre Dame. What's the situation? There's been some really good discussions with Notre Dame. Years past, it has been crickets on the set. (laughs) But I would say that there are good discussions. I think we're getting close to being able to put together a game that would benefit both of our schools. Okay, so there's some smoke here, right, from that conversation with Tom, from the horse's mouth, and then, of course, uh, BTF uh, reporting that. Is that good enough? Because Notre Dame owes BYU a home game. Would you settle for neutral site with Notre Dame in Vegas? Is it good enough? Yeah, it's good enough if the alternative is they never play Notre Dame. You know what I mean? Notre Dame never fulfills that. It's either you play us in Vegas or wherever on a neutral site you know, situation or we're just, you know, we'll give you some money to go away, which is essentially what happens. Is teams will just buy out that, the rest of that contract. So if, if, is it good enough? Yeah, but 
the original contract had Notre Dame coming to Provo. BYU was going to go to Notre Dame. Two for one. Two for one. Yep. BYU has already fulfilled their end of that. So, yeah, I mean, I would like to see Notre Dame come to Provo and play. I think everybody would. Mm. But, if again, if it boils down to not getting to play Notre Dame or a neutral site, then, yeah, it's good enough if it's a neutral site. What evidence do we have that Notre Dame will actually play a game in Provo? We have zero. zero. We have zero. And, they- and, quite frankly, if it hasn't happened now, I, by now – I, I just don't see it happening. BYU's going to have been a good partner by waiting. BYU could have really pressed the issue and then just got the money at some point, it feels like. But I love this. Is it good enough? It's more than good enough. I think it's great. Honestly, if you can get a game with Notre Dame, they fill the end of that contract. You're playing in Allegiant Stadium again. Like Blaine Fowler said, this is going to be home game-ish, although Notre Dame does travel really well. I don't want to yeah, underestimate like what Notre Dame does. Yeah, I think we're but underestimating what, I think, what the fan base for Notre Dame. I think it'd actually be a road game against Notre Dame, but it'd be really fun. I think that's great. I think everyone that goes and watches the BYU-Arizona game is going to fall in love with the idea of playing more games in Allegiant Stadium. I think it's going to be an incredible experience, and win or lose playing Notre Dame is always, uh, is always a good experience. I, like, obviously, Notre Dame is the independent standard, sure. and there's sort of this connection there through that. You know, BYU is the Notre Dame of the way. No, they're not. BYU's not. Like, but, but there are things that BYU's trying to do to assimilate something similar to Notre Dame. Notre Dame actually visited this building to try and talk about what BYU TV does. So there's a connection there between these two schools in some way. I would love to see it play out in a neutral site game in Vegas. I just think that'd be really fun. And if you think that's fun. Listen to this banter between your boy, Brady Papinga, former BYU linebacker and defensive lineman, played in the NFL, of course. Always very opinionated. Love Brady. And one Brady Quinn, a former quarterback. A couple of Bradys. A couple of Bradys just hanging out. Brady Papinga, to all Cougar Nation hoping to see a match of BYU-Notre Dame at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, I would like to apologize on behalf of the 2004 BYU football team that absolutely kicked the living crap out of Notre Dame when they came into LES. They have PTSD from this game. Brady Quinn, I guess by BYU football standards, a three-point victory is kicking the crap out of a team. Full disclosure, we primarily prepared for Michigan. <laughs> I didn't do enough to help us win in 2004. 2005, though, LLL was fun. Should have been seven or eight touchdowns if Charlie Weiss didn't pull us. Brady Papinga, the fact that you responded to that tweet tells a different <laughs> story, bud. They know each other. Yes, and they it's actually, yes, it's very playful. Remember, you only got... Within three points because your defense scored seven for you late in the game. <laughs> After that first quarter, never felt the game was in the balance. And yeah, we were overly focused on Stanford too. <laughs> Brady says, and yeah, we actually beat that Michigan football team that next week. How'd that Stanford game go for you? You already lost Stanford later. Yeah. That's some fun banter back and forth. It is. Uh, look, and <laughs> how great would it be to be able to have those kinds of uh, back yes. and forths with another BYU versus Notre Dame matchup? Uh, let's, yes. And, Man, this would and because it would have been a, a home game for BYU in this place, I would hope that this would be an ESPN game, as opposed to say an NBC game. Can I mean, we just play it in Provo and call it neutral site? <laughs> it's like I, technically it's neutral site. This is yeah. Let's just play it in Salt Lake. How about that? Can we play it at Rio Tinto? There's not enough people. You're right. No, let's let's play it in. Uh, yeah, Vegas is obviously a great choice for this. I, I'll be surprised if this doesn't happen. I just think this makes it makes a lot sense. of sense. It, it makes honestly, it makes too much sense on, to not happen. Both need a game yes. in 2022. Although Notre Dame typically plays seven, eight home games, so they would only play six in this situation. So that's one sacrifice Notre Dame has to perhaps do. 
But a game like this scheduled for next year would actually be shocking. Here's why. Everything we see scheduled is like late to, uh, 20s or early 30s, not next year. So that would be awesome. That would be awesome. And we've talked about, hey, 22 feels manageable. You throw Notre Dame on there, all of a sudden I'm going, well, probably nine at the peak because that's going to be a tough game. If BYU wins that, fantastic. Great win, no matter what Notre Dame is. Which is funny because I've, I've talked about this before. When BYU has a great win, I feel like we need to go back and be like, was that team good? In 94, when BYU wins at Notre Dame, that's one of the top wins in program history. We talk about this a lot. It is. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying, eh, Notre Dame was 6-5. That was, that was a game that was winnable. If the other team is a 10-plus win team that's a Power 5 team, BYU's not going to win that game 95% of the time. When they do, it's unbelievable. So you better hope that, you know, in a game like Notre Dame, that that team is not a playoff contender like they have been in the last couple of years. Yet, yet, Cody Hoffman's still open, right? <laughs> against an undefeated team that goes and gets blasted against Alabama. So BYU can hang for sure and has won a couple times, 94, 04. Maybe 2024 is the better year. Beyond, beyond the Notre Dame aspect of this, it goes back to something that you said, and I agree. I, I love the idea of more and more games, and I think we will see more and more games, neutral site games being played in Vegas yes. at Allegiant State. Th- that is but a perfect tie-in for years. BYU. Oh, I, Maybe three? I, I, Just... Honestly, I think you could get into rhythm of every other year. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Blaine, a couple weeks ago, uh, well, actually, let's lead with this. Hey, uh, Gavin gets married over the weekend. Congrats to you guys. Uh, he's in Hawaii now oh, on his honeymoon, awesome. so his, his life's better than ours right now. Yeah, he's over in Hawaii while we're all working. So, but <laughs> exactly. uh, no, it, it was it was a phenomenal weekend with with Gavin and Abby. And uh, um, now you know now now he can just focus on football when he gets back and not worry about things. And you know he was recruiting like full time, twenty four seven recruiting Abby, and now he's got now she's signed. And she's in the program. <laughs> now, 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 now you can just go back to work, you know? Wait, so. are, are you and Brendan now, like, all kids married and out of the house now, right? Yep, that's it. That's the last one. So. Congratulations. Wow. And, 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 here, and here's – so we, we had quite the weekend, you guys. So uh, Gavin gets married on Friday. We send him off. Then on Sunday, since all the kids were in town, they said, hey, well, I'll come to church with you. And I'm up, I'm up on campus for church. So – they all came, and right after church, after the first hour, my daughter-in-law, who's married to Kellen, that started for two years of free safety at BYU, um, she came up and said, yeah, I've kind of been in labor all through sacrament meeting. And we go, kind of, what do you mean? She says, well, my contractions have been like two to three minutes apart. And we go, get out of here. Like, get in the car. No, literally, get out of hospital. here. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And so we took the girls, and they got in the car. Drove to the hospital within 25 minutes of pulling up to the curb. We had our 11th franchise. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. Yeah. Go fast, go 25 hard. minutes from pulling in. Kellen drove 95 miles an hour to the hospital. 25 minutes from the minute they pulled him, he says, "We made it." They, they, we got another text saying, "Well, we got a little baby boy, Tanner Thomas Fowler, is is in the bed." So, 
So wow. you guys, we had, we had quite the week, quite it's the weekend, all time weekend what? for the Fowler. What yeah, we had quite the weekend. Oh man, yeah, that's, it was fun. That's crazy. Okay, transition out of that. That's, I, I have we're, no we're, idea how you it's transition. It's all coming down. We're descending. Buckle up. We're coming back into Salt Lake here. Okay, so a few weeks ago we chatted, and Spencer and I were talking, and I was like, you know, it's seven wins. It's kind of the expectation. Hopefully, eight plus. You convinced me literally in five minutes that hey, it should be eight plus, and we talked about it in what's trending there. We're talking about eight plus or bust now. Feels like you're on the eight train based on what you said before, and ESPN FBI is projecting eight point one wins, so they're feeling the same thing you are. It sounds like. Yeah, I've I've felt looking at what's coming back, and and I think BYU is deeper at some positions than people understand. Um, you know, everybody looks at the superstars that you lose and think that 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 position group automatically is going to have a big step backward. I think corner's the perfect example of this. So, so they lose a, a high draft pick in, in Wilcox and, or not high draft pick, but a draft pick. Any guy drafted in the secondary in the NFL is re- ridiculous athlete, right? So he gets drafted and they think, well, they can't be as good at corner. I would submit with all the guys that have played there, the guys that they've recruited that are crazy athletes that have been getting playing time over the last couple of years, that that's as veteran and talented a group at corner as they've had since 96 when they had Omar Morgan and Tim McTire at, at corner. Yet when I look at national publications, they talk about their concern about corner. So we get a little bit more insider information. And I think some of the position groups, there's legit concern. Like, is the D line going to be deep enough? I don't know the answer to that, but everybody's been questioning O line and corner. And I'm here to tell you that those two positions are really, really good. And that's why I'm optimistic that eight plus is, is, a, is a legitimate goal for these guys. And I, I look at it on a sliding scale, you guys. And so if everyone stays healthy 100%, then nine wins doesn't surprise me. So I just mentioned that 96 team. I think the 11 guys that started on defense that year started all year long. Like they just didn't have injuries. It was a phenomenal lights out defense, right? Um, so if this team stays healthy – then my expectations is the plus part of the eight plus, right? Um, if they just lose a few guys at positions where they have depth, then I think eight is realistic. If they lose a couple of players at really key positions where they don't have depth, then all of a sudden my scale slides back to seven. I don't feel like they should drop below seven anymore because I feel like the recruiting now with Kalani has caught up where they have good players in every class and they should be able to manage. And let's say have just a devastating year of injuries. So, Mine's a sliding scale. They stay healthy. I think the plus side of eight is what I'm looking at. If they if they have a typical injury year, eight's a legitimate. And if they have a devastating year, then six or seven. And that's how I look at it. All right, Blaine. Let's stay with the number eight then. Let's go here. In the past, and you know, under Bronco, under Lavelle, eight wins. I mean, that was a given every year. You were counting on eight wins at least with BYU football. Now, obviously, that was under a completely different scheduling model than what we've seen, you know, as an independent and for certainly the last half of independence. So are we, and by that I mean the program, is the program back to the point where eight wins is the mark you expect to see every year in terms of a win total? As long as they stay healthy, I think it is. Because look, I'm, I'm saying eight plus with this schedule. This is, this is the most aggressive schedule with seven P5s that they've ever had, right? I mean, hey, no, no disrespect to any of my teammates, but we didn't play this kind of schedule. 
Um, I mean, we played games where I'm the backup quarterback, and Mike Holmgren's saying to me, "Dude, you need to be ready because you're gonna, probably going to play three quarters this week." So <laughs> you, you you look you look at that schedule that that's up there right now. And how many games do you see where you're going to go to the backup quarterback and tell him you're going to play three quarters of the game? I, I had that conversation multiple times in my years, right? And so, so it's just a different challenge than, than we had back in the late 70s and early 80s. And even, even you know, I look at that 96 team, maybe as talented a team as BYU's ever had in 96. And, and that was a team that, that didn't have to face the kind of schedule BYU is. But even with that, um, I'm saying eight, is a watermark that we should look at in reload years. And then when you get all things lined up and have a special season, um, like perhaps my feeling is they go eight plus this year. You look, there's not a ton of seniors on this year's squad. Right. And so it's, it's a, it's a class or it's a group that's heavily loaded with juniors and sophomores. Right. So next season, if you come out of this season with some momentum, let's say they go win nine games um, and have a great performance in a bowl, they carry momentum. Now, all of a sudden, I may come back to you next year and say 10's the watermark for next year's team. And, and that's what you do. You build season to season. And I think they're in that mode right now. So that's, that's a long, long answer, Shep. But yeah, eight's the watermark for me at this point. Okay, let's look at 2022 then. Since, B- since BYU <laughs> is going to bring back a ton of guys, there's four power fives on the schedule. Here it is. At USF, Baylor at home. At Oregon, that's the toughest game of the season. Wyoming, Utah State, Arkansas, all at home. SEC at home's rare. At Liberty, at Boise State, Dixie, excuse me, Utah Tech, Utah Tech, um, right. and then at Stanford, and then TBD on when East Carolina is, and then there's going to be one more game added. Not FCS, it'll be something yeah. else. That is a doable schedule to what you said, if BYU gets eight or nine, to feel like, hey, for the first time in a regular season as an independent, outside of 2011, which was a pretty easy schedule, honestly, hey, BYU can actually finish top 25 again in a non-pandemic situation. Yeah, I agree. This is, I say this is a reload year because I think BYU is a program uh, that has enough tradition and enough recruiting cachet that that they should never have a complete rebuild anymore, right? And so this this is a reloading year. And if you can win eight games, nine games in a reloading year when you're replacing your starting quarterback, um, then that leads to good things. Um, and, and sometimes you have a special year in what should be a reload year. Everybody thought 84 was a reload year because we just lost Steve Young, who – I mean, if you go by pro careers, the greatest quarterback that's ever played at BYU, right? Um, college career, we, we could argue back and forth about a bunch of stuff, but that's a phenomenal player to lose, right? And people talk about, well, you just lost Zach Wilson. Well, had Steve Young not signed in the USFL, he would have been the overall number one pick in the NFL draft. So it's comparable. And, and Robbie Bosco steps in there um, and does a great job, but Robbie didn't have to carry that team in 84. The defense was so unbelievably good with that linebacking core you know, with Marv Allen and Kerry Whittingham and Leon White and Kurt Govea, like all NFL caliber guys, and, and a great secondary led by Kyle Morrell. That defense won a bunch of games in 84. The offense had a lot of good skills and a great veteran offensive line. And so the brand-new quarterback didn't matter in 84. What was supposed to be a reload year was a very special year. And so we'll see what happens because I think 
like that 84 team, this team's loaded at linebacker. Um, I think they're loaded at corner. That Maybe the best receiving core in, in terms of pure talent and size BYU's ever had, especially Ooh. if you include the tight ends. And so, so all of a sudden you're looking going, does the quarterback have to be great or just manage games? Does this turn into a special season? Well, I think we're going to know in the first three weeks, right? We'll know if it's special in the first three weeks. So I'm not, I'm not counting out that this can't be um, a special special season if the whoever ends up being the quarterback takes care of the ball. Um, but this is a reload year, not, not a rebuild year. It's a reload. It's a reload on a really heavy schedule. And then next year to me is, hey, not reload. This is loaded and ready to go. And that schedule is very conducive to a double-digit win total in regular season when you had a starting quarterback returning and a bunch of other guys. All right, Blaine, let's wrap things up with this question. There was a report uh, out of Vanquish the Foe alleging that BYU has approached Notre Dame about a game in Vegas in 2022. If that were to happen, uh, are you good with that, knowing that uh, Notre Dame still owes BYU a home game? Would that suffice you in terms of, uh, of that obligation? I would be happy with that. Yeah, because I know that Vegas is a home game for BYU, even if they're playing a team from Vegas, right? It's, it's just <laughs> BYU's very comfortable in Las Vegas um, with a great fan base that, that resides right there. And then what happens is BYU with their huge fan base in SoCal, those folks hop in their car and drive up, and then Utah migrates down. And so Notre Dame might think that that's a neutral site game. I'm telling you right now, that's not a neutral site game. The Arizona game this year is a home game for BYU down in Vegas. And that, uh, that that Notre Dame game the next year, if it comes to fruition, absolutely a home game for BYU. So take that all day long. And I'm just glad that there's conversations. There were a number of years, my, my insider folks in administration, were, where Notre Dame w- wasn't even having a conversation with us about when we're going to play that game that they owe us. And, and we know now that those conversations are happening and that that's a very good possibility. I would love to see that be the game that's added, and I have no problem with it being in Vegas instead of Provo. Instead of Provo. Yeah, that would be a ton of fun, and we'll talk more about that matchup potentially coming up later in the program. Blaine, we appreciate the time, man. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Sometimes you make mistakes, right, Jason? Even ESPN's Football Power Index uh, in April, uh, they tweeted, in April, it it contained data and modeling errors. We have remedied the issues and are re-releasing FPI. As you mentioned, BYU football up from 7.3 wins to 8.1. So, and we'll break down game by game here in a minute. Does this mean it's 8-plus or bust for BYU football? I'm not ready to go there. If it were at 7 or bust, then I would say, yeah, you got to get to seven. Because here's Are the way you, here's the way I look at okay. it. Even with the changes, yes. th- this doesn't change my outlook on what I thought was possible. Eight was what I was hoping for. Seven is what I thought was BYU has to get to seven. That, that I thought was, was the most likely. Mm. So the minimum threshold oh. was seven. So eight is kind of what you're hoping for. If you get to eight, any. Then I think at that point, then anything above eight is like icing on the cake. So it's so, seven or bust for you. So so for, so if it were seven or bust, yeah. I would say yes. At eight, I I don't think so. I I still think 
if you can get to eight with this, that's still something that's really impressive with this schedule. So I'm not saying if you fall a, a game short that that it's bust. I just can't go there yet. I was in this area until Blaine Fowler convinced me otherwise. If I looked at just generally seven power fives in Boise State, I would normally say seven. And I was saying seven until Blaine said, well, look at who BYU has. And we kind of walked through, especially on offense. And then in 10 and 10, I've been digging into the opponents quite a bit. It's very manageable in terms of when BYU plays, who they play. So you look at seven power fives. There are four very winnable power fives on there, if not more, right? You look at in Arizona. That is a game that if BYU loses, I will be devastated. That is, you have to win that game. Arizona stinks. Okay, Utah is going to be a tough game. Arizona State is going to be a tough game. I'm looking at power fives only. Baylor. I don't know what to think of Baylor. Coming off two and seven. Well, BYU is not favored against them. They just they just lo- Baylor went two and seven and just lost the starting quarterback. Okay, why are they going to be good again? At Washington State, that's a winnable game. Virginia, that's a winnable game. Okay, USC, that's going to be a tough game. If BYU goes four and three against those power fives, and then you can go five and one against the other group of five and FCS team in Idaho State, you're talking about seven wins in the regular season, going for eight against a Conference USA opponent in the Independence Bowl. I think we all agree that BYU expects to win that bowl game regardless of who it is from the Conference USA. There's your eight wins, right? Can it be eight in the regular season? I really like uh, you know what BYU has back on offense specifically. Defense, there's some playmakers who have been a little unproven. Guys like Tyler Batty and Uriah Leatawa, who I think are going to have some really nice seasons. And the linebackers are super solid for BYU. The back end is going to be fun to kind of watch their development. It's, it's eight wins or bust for me. I think if you get seven total, it's disappointing. It really is. I want eight plus to be the program standard moving forward. I agree 100%. Like, We've seen four, seven, and seven, and then a, a pandemic blown up schedule with an incredibly talented BYU team winning 11 and 1. It was awesome. It was an outlier in the conversation, given how good BYU was with who they had and who they played. I would hate to see BYU dip back into the sevens. I don't mind a seven occasionally, but you got to me, give me a 10 or 11. Utah, when it first went to the Pac 12, had a couple of five and seven seasons. I think two in the first three it's years. It's growing pains. Everybody's going to go through it. It took a sec yep. to get there. For BYU, it took the fifth year in Kalani, the tenth year in Independence, and a pandemic uh, to get back to a season where we were like, that's BYU football. So now I go with who BYU has come back. Yeah, I think it's A-plus. Let's go. Okay, but wh- here's, here's another factor in, into why I said what I said. Even though we feel like we have a pretty good idea, of, even with the production lost, what is coming back, what has been added – we still don't officially know who the quarterback is. I think we all assume that right now. Know, I'll tell you. Oh, it's Jaron Hall. Let's go. Well, like it's I think I think that's who I think that's who we yeah. all expect. If it's not Jaron, uh, yeah. Spencer will shave his head. How about that? I, I think we all expect it to be Jaron <laughs> Hall. But you know, at the end of the day, there's still so many unknowns that right now, you know, I I reserve the right to once we get some more of these questions of answered. Then, then that gets that gets moved up to maybe eight, maybe it is eight or bust. Absolutely, you. Can but but right now there are so. Yeah. But right now there are still too many unknowns for me to say that if you get seven wins, it's a bust. I just can't go there yet. Once we have some more answers to this, then maybe I'd look at seven differently. I think coming off of the season from last year, obviously you could expect less if you wanted, and that'd be fair given how well it went and who be always playing. But when you look closer. 
to who BYU's playing, hey, I see eight wins there. I really do. And normally I'm, uh, people think I'm the negative one. I prefer <laughs> to think of that as the realistic one, okay? If you live your That's life... what a negative person would say. If you live... <laughs> <laughs> if you live your life never questioning anything and thinking everything's great, to me you're naive, right? You got to look at things. You can you can be optimistic and realistic at the same time. You really can. I'm excited about this. Okay, let's break down. So Jason doesn't like this year's team. That's what we just learned. Okay, <laughs> that's not what I'm I said. Kidding. I'm just it's not what I said. Okay, when we look at the game to game breakdown, okay, the ones that stick out: Arizona, 84 percent chance to win. Again, these are updated. Utah, 52.5. What do you make of that number? Um, look, this is the only I lo- chance to win. I love to see it. I'm surprised to see it because we're just not used to having people picking BYU to beat Utah because of what we've seen over the last nine, se- nine, nine seasons, nine games. Yes. So I, I, I am surprised. I love to see it. And I like the fact that BYU is getting credit for not just what they did last year and kind of getting back on people's radar, but I think people are starting to realize that, yes, they lost a lot of production, but that there's some guys coming back that BYU could still do some very, very good things. So I'm surprised to see it. Not that I don't think it's possible. I just I don't know if I expected to see somebody saying it. Yeah, and the opposite's happening with Utah where they didn't have a good season. They played, what, four or five games, and you know Cam Rising gets hurt 17 snaps or something into the game uh, in the season opener. So... Yeah, it's whatever. It's a coin toss. Okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah! Moral victory, whatever. Uh, Arizona State, 54.5. I'm a little surprised that that's higher. There are people who think Arizona State's better than Utah, that Jaden Daniels and that group is going to be Pac-12 champs. I have, I'm a little surprised by that one. I thought BYU would be in the 45-ish percent. Range. The more I have looked at Arizona State, the more I, I'm okay with this. I, because this game is at home, I certainly believe BYU has, has a great chance here, yeah. and I would expect them to win. I think they will win. Arizona State is much better than I gave them credit for a couple of months ago. The more I've looked into them. They're good. This is a, just this, how good. This is a team. This is the best Arizona State team that they have had to put in the Pac-12 in a long time. Since Jake Plummer. Yeah, I don't <laughs> so, know. So I think this is their best chance. And we actually, you and uh, Spencer were gone, and it was Blaine and I, and we had yeah. their Welcome. associate head coach. Sean Slocum. Yeah, and, and we, he, he, he agreed. He says, yes, I think, it's the, I think it is our best chance to win the Pac-12 South. I wish it would be like, nah, we're not going to win it, whatever. Uh, okay, Boise State, 79%. Uh, Washington State, 65 Virginia, 62 I don't uh, know. They have Hank Bachmeyer, but <laughs> Boise State. Yeah. <laughs> uh. At USC, 31. So at Baylor, 42. That one's weird to me. That one's weird to me. Obviously, beating Utah is overdue. We all know the numbers. We don't need to repeat those right now. But the value of a win is certainly high. But how high? Let's quantify this. What record could you tolerate if one of those wins was Utah? How many, how many games are on the schedule? 12. And then a bowl game if you win six. So I would say I would say one, okay, one and eleven. You're that guy. Yep, one and eleven. <laughs> That's what, right? One carry three. You're one and that. You... <laughs> one, one, <laughs> I, look, man, check this out. There, there is. You're okay losing to Idaho State if you beat it. Yeah. Okay. I'm 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 okay with that, and I think if anybody truly truly digs down and 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 puts themselves in that situation. And sit back and in ponder. In what situation? Of 
if 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 losing every game but win, but beating Utah, I think if they really truly sat down and thought about it, really thought about it, like really, really, really spend some time, some energy and effort, they would sit back and go, "Yep, oh yeah, heck yeah." Because as I started to think more and more, when I first said one, I was like, "Dang, I think I'm crazy," and then I was like, "Well, actually, I I, I do think you're crazy. I don't really care. You know what?" And, I, and then I kept going. And I said, "Wait, so what if we were to win?" Every game. And lose to Utah. And lose to Utah. I would take that every single year for the rest of eternity. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I, can't, I, I, can't. I would. Because BYU would be a top 15 team and every I was, year. I would say this. I would say this, man. Top 10. This answer, this answer definitely changes based off of the circumstances. Yes. If there's no streak, if there's, the desperation yeah. is not as high. That's what I'm, we that, are hungry. That's what I'm saying, man. It's like, no, it, I'm not that hungry. Look, look. You know what it is? <laughs> you know what it is? It, it's it's kind of like when you don't have a prom date and prom is tomorrow. Yep. And it's like, you, 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 you like, you, yeah, you, you, now you're like, I'm going to go. speaking from experience or just a uh, hypothetical? No, nah, just, hypo- this oh, hypo- okay, just okay. hypothetical. Okay. Everybody can relate to this, right? I mean, and, and now it's like you're calling – the principal, the vice president, can I bring my mom? Can I bring my sis? Are you you're, available? You're th- are you available? Yeah, right. It's, it's, you're, you're in no. desperation mode. No, I'm you're not. You're in desperation mode, I'm not man. That desperate. You know why? Because you didn't take care of business. When it was business time, you didn't take care of business accordingly. And now you are in desperation mode. And that's how I am right now. I'm desperate. I'm desperate for a win. I'm so desperate. You can lose every single game. And you can lose every I single game by 20. Utah. Don't care. As long as that was BYU. Beats Utah. I'm good, man. I'm not that desperate. Uh, I'm hungry, but I'm not that hungry. I now don't sleep on Idaho State. They're next. Trevor, that's enough from you. Um, <laughs> that's a quote all the way back from 2013, which is just that's that's. I would say that's a top three quote on the show. It's pretty good. Yeah. I I don't want a losing season at all ever. So I go six and six. Six and six is the minimum threshold I would tolerate if. One of those wins is Utah. L- listen, I love this game. When I moved to Utah from the Pacific Northwest, when I was 11, the first home game I went to was 95 against Utah. I then went on a string outside of my mission all the way up to 2011 that I was at every game. And then and then in 2012 when I was producing the pre- and post-game shows, I wasn't at the game. I was right, in right, Provo. Right. I love this game. It's the biggest sporting event in the state every year. It's the biggest game on the schedule every year. It means a lot, but it doesn't mean everything. I valued the season more than I valued the game versus Utah. If you told me, yeah, BYU is going to beat Utah, I'm excited. But not at the cost of the whole season. Look, okay, okay, chase out. Chase because out. BYU football and getting on the map and relevance is not determined by a singular game with a Pac-12 team that doesn't win that league. Although Utah is very good, don't get me wrong. But they're not, they're not Oregon, and they're not Washington, and they're not SC in that league. They're not. It matters a lot, but it's not everything. So I, I go 6-6, six and six, and I'm really interested to hear what people have to say. Okay, okay so I'll tell you something. If the standard for, or, or where I would say this, what's the expectations for you in regards to, to the BYU having a winning season? Or I would say That it season, happens every year. I would, I would say a season, this, this season coming up, where you saw progress, right? What, eight wins? A-plus or bust. Okay, so now, if BYU beats Utah and, you you know, they win six games, would you, would you consider that successful? Uh, no. 
I want A plus or bust. So that's what I'm saying. But, but you beat Utah. That by the season itself is different than the game. Okay, that's that's the game. Okay. The game to me does not define the season per se. I do understand that for a lot of people, including you, um, and I used to be in that in that space. Did everyone enjoy last year? Yep. A resounding yes. yes. All those all those in favor, please make it manifest. Okay? I be- because it was awesome. Was Utah on the schedule? And it was, no, was it still enjoyable? Yes. Can there be a season where BYU? BYU doesn't play or even doesn't beat Utah, but it's still awesome. Uh, like yes. the last 10 years. It can still be awesome. Okay. But is it the awesomest when you beat Utah? Yes. Yes. So It is yes. the most awesomest. How about we just combine those ever. two? Ever. But our question is sort of a, yeah, what's, what's the least amount of money you can live off and be happy? Look, look, <laughs> that, look, like, look. That's what we're asking. No, pr- pretty much, man. And, and it's funny because, like – like, I just have this mindset, man, and I started this a couple years ago. It's like, when it's rivalry week, like, I'm not eating, I'm not eating, I'm not drinking no red Kool-Aid. I'm not eating no red Starburst. I'm running through red lights. You know what I'm saying? I'm not seeing no, I'm not seeing no reds. That's illegal activity. Look, 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 I'm not stopping at no stop signs. Like, anything that has red on it, I'm, I'm not doing it. I mean, it's that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Like, to that, to that point. And, and even so, like, if, if my son, I, you know, I have a nine-year-old, five, if, I, if, if I see them with, like, a red Skittle, bam, I'm slapping out their hand. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I don't want no type of red energy, you know, at all. I get it. You don't have to tell me. I've been to, like, 15 of these. I know I've been to dramatic wins at Rice Stadium, Rice Eccles Stadium. Like, I get it, dude. I've been on the field for Beck to Harleen and 09 and 07 and what? Okay, okay, wait. I've also seen terrible other. Here's, here's another question for you. I let me, re, let you me rephrase don't it. Have to explain let it. me rephrase this. What if, if BYU went, you know, just won one game against Utah, loses everything else, but had a dramatic finish like a Beck or Harleen or, you know. That game would live on forever, but that season would suck. Like, if you thought 2017 was bad, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no. You know what? If, if BYU goes 1-11, heads are rolling. Like, no. No. What if we went in quadruple overtime? Nice. Nice. <laughs> what if a volcano erupted uh, right now? Um, what if the next Marvel property, by the way, TV show. I'm very excited about mm. that. Just watch the Loki uh, season finale. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Our next guest is a man who frequently visits the program. He is a step ahead in projecting who's going to be good. Then, even us. His name is Cam Meller, Senior Communications and Creative Director of Pro Football Network. Cam, listen, you were spot on like two years ago with Zach Wilson. And then recently you've said Peyton Wilgar is the, kind of the next breakout player, next highest draft pick. Are you still on the Peyton Wilgar train? Yes. First off, I would like to continue the victory lap here. The <laughs> Zach Wilson victory lap, we'll call it. Uh, so thanks for circling back. I do appreciate the love. Uh, Wilgar, yes, absolutely. Um, I don't think the traits that I that I saw two years ago are going away. 2020 did nothing to dismantle my proof of him um, and those traits that are very good. And I don't see why not that those three traits that he does super, 
super well on the football field don't translate to 2021 success, but also NFL success as well. Okay, so explain what those traits are. What is it you're seeing in Peyton Wilgar that you're like, that's the guy? Sideline to sideline ability. That is always one that is just sort of tossed around with linebackers. Um, uh, He has it. He has it in bunches. He can go anywhere he wants to on the football field. He's got great speed. He has no trouble with run defense, stuffing his nose in the middle and sniffing out within, I think there's terrific instincts there. Um, And then uh, arguably, though, those two are great. The best one that you have to have in today's NFL and in today's college football now is coverage ability. And you just flash back to the USC game in 2019. Mm -hmm. There's, I mean, he baits the quarterback there, drops back, faints the shallow zone that he's in, drops back and picks off the pass. And beautifully, I mean, you don't have that without great instincts. You don't have that without great coverage ability. And that is the most primal thing that you have uh, as a linebacker is those instincts. And so if he has those, which he's shown two years in a row now, I don't see why not, uh, why they don't carry over to next year. Listen, this is a blue ocean strategy. Red ocean being there's sharks in the water. They bloody it up. It's all red. Blue ocean, nope. It's over here. It's a little different. That's a blue ocean strategy with Peyton. It really is, which I can appreciate. He's going to be tremendous. Kind of was pretty quiet last year defensively, but I bet he'll have a breakout year as well. We were talking about other guys we think will break out. Jason said Tyler Algier will go from like, hey, kind of stepped up with a 1,000-yard season, 7.5 yards per carry up to really breaking out. And I said Puka Nakua, the wide receiver transfer from Washington, was my guy. So who else do you think from BYU could have a breakout year? Kind of, kind of get on the scene a little more. I, I think you mentioned it. it you don't run for 7.5 yards a carry. That's not – Seven and a half yard a court like that those that's a ridiculous number. Seven and a half yards a carry. Yes, he had the incredible offensive line in front of him, but Tyler Algier, I think you he broke out at a minor scale last year because of the name at quarterback with him. But without that name at quarterback, without Wilson dominating the conversation of the backfield talk or just BYU in general, and the loss of multiple offensive linemen and Eric Mateos as offensive line coach. So you lose the the two things I think that took away from the dominant season that he had in the backfield. If he can do that again, which I think he's shown the ability to do, he's shown enough that he that he manufactured yards on his own. It wasn't just the massive gaps, massive holes in the offensive line. Look, we can argue who gets credit all we want here. Um, let's go back. Who gets credit for Zach Wilson, though, really? But, yeah, Tyler Algier <laughs> yes, is, yes. The, is the man. Mike Wilson. Tyler Algier is is the guy who I think has the, the biggest chance, not only to break out this year, but see himself as a viable running back draft pick. I won't go over first round, but I will say day two draft pick potentially. Ooh, wow. Okay. All right, okay. Cam, first of all, Cam, I would like to thank you for being rational and agreeing with me <laughs> that it's Tyler Algier because I took some heat from this guy over here. I thought he had already broken because out. Because uh, his breakout season was last year, but for the reasons that you mentioned. I said we were aware of this last year. I think this is the year where he breaks out nationally and people know who Tyler Algier is. So thank you very much. It's my pleasure. If I can do anything, it's I'm here to make you guys happy or prove at least one of you right. Two, I'm happy now. <laughs> Jason's love language, uh, one of them is words of affirmation, so that appeased that. And then the other is physical touch, so high five. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very nice. Okay, let's talk about the quarterbacks. Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, Jacob Conover. Obviously, that's a huge storyline going into the fall. Jaron Hall feels like he's going to be the incumbent and hard to beat. Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator on Media Day, saying, listen, if he's healthy, he'll be hard to beat. It's like, oh, that was a lean towards Jaron. Do you feel like Jaron Hall is the most viable candidate at quarterback, or could it be a Baylor Romney or the freshman Jacob Conover? I think it's Hall's job to lose, and it's mainly one or two reasons, but I, I would go with the simple fact that what worked last year, they don't have to change the offensive play calling with Hall in a quarterback, in my opinion. There's a very similar skill set to Zach Wilson in terms of the athletic ability, 
but also the arm strength and the angles in which he can throw it from. So we haven't seen a lot of it from Hall, obviously, with not as many throws under his belt and, and tape for me to watch. Um, but I do think that, and I, I remember reading a quote or two that they said Hall is was the likely replacement for Wilson at any point last year because of the fact they didn't have to change the offensive game plan. So that moving forward, I think, is what gives him the edge as much as his athletic ability um, and multi-sport ability does. Yesterday, Cam, our conversation was about wins in terms of eight wins or bust. Is it eight wins or bust for BYU football this year? We had a lot of great responses from, from fans out there. Some said yes. Some obviously you know, went the other direction. How would you answer that? Is it eight wins or bust for BYU football next season? Or I guess this season? It's a... It's a tough, yeah, it's hard to say not next season now. It's already, I know we're in July, but man, July's almost over. At this point, we're going to blink and it's going to be the end of the year. I think eight wins is a good benchmark. I don't think it's a it's a win or loss, bust or boom or bust season mark of eight games. I think if you're going to these tough games against these P5 and top tier P5 schools, and if you're at least competitive in these tough games, I think there's a silver lining that you could not win eight and have a bust of a season. Um, you got to look good. You're breaking in a, lot, a quarterback, and you got to have sort of those asterisks um, next to some of these games. You know, if you're going in with a guy who's only started three games against Arizona, well, that should be a win. Sorry, that's that. Uh, that, that definitely. <laughs> Thank you, Arizona's Arizona. Right. But uh, <laughs> you know, the Utah game, I think you can hang your hat on that if there's a win there too. So it, there's a lot of interesting storylines. I would say eight is probably the good benchmark to have going into it, but I don't think that there's a boomer bust nature to that number. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's all relative, right? Because last year's schedule obviously was way more winnable for BYU. The one loss is a game BYU chose to take midweek, which was crazy, right? Um, then you look at the quarterback situation, like we mentioned. What's around the quarterbacks? Very exciting. You, you get Puka Nakua and Samson Nakua transferring in, the brothers from Washington and, and Utah. You have uh, Isaac Rex, who had 12 touchdown catches. Incredible. Dallin Holker comes back from mission. He's expected to be good. Two starters back on the O-line, but the other three guys have played a bunch. So it, we've almost discussed, like, it does matter who the quarterback is, but maybe it doesn't matter as much as we think, given who's around the BYU offense. Do you feel like the offense is going to carry this team when all said and done, given how many returning starters there are? Absolutely. And the influx of Power 5 talent elsewhere, the Nakua brothers being obviously that, Rex being the contested catch guy that you can just sort of rely on in the red zone too. So get to the red zone on the back of Algier, breaking these offensive linemen that have a lot of snaps to their credit feature, maybe Algier a little bit more in the passing game too. sort of, you know, get the ball to him in space. If you're going to have any quarterback issues to start the season, feature your skill players and your skill players in space, I think is the most important position or the important aspect there, get them the ball and allow them to do what they do best. So if it's manufactured yards that you're looking at for those guys on screens or things of that nature, get it to them. Make no make no complaints about it. Get the ball to your skill players if you're worried about your quarterback situation. But I don't think that they're going to be too worried if uh, Hall is what uh, he's cracked up to be. Realizing that there still hasn't been a starting quarterback named, so until that is official, obviously that that's a question. But it does feel like most of the unknowns about this team do seem to be on the defensive side of the football. And, and I think specifically up front, losing a guy like Kairos Tonga is, is obviously a pretty big deal, and others certainly. What is, what's your take on the defensive side of the football for BYU uh, when the season starts against Arizona? Unproven. Somebody's going to have to step up. I think there has to be a couple of name brand players or, or at least players that get national notoriety due to some plays here. A coverage is king, in my opinion. I know we see the difference in coverage versus pass rush, but coverage is king, in my opinion. So somebody's going to have to step up in the secondary. 
Um, it can't just be Peyton Wilgard that we rely on in coverage across the middle of the field. So you need a deep safety. You need a couple of corners to lock down, I think, especially against uh, as the schedule goes on and we see a little bit more pass-happy teams down the stretch too. So let the let the coverage start to take over. I think we need to see a couple of uh, emergent performances in 2021. We're talking with uh, Zach Wilson, super fan and advocate Cam Meller, <laughs> who also uh, works on the side at Pro Football Network on BYU Sports Nation. Cam, Zach, obviously an incredible season. You were on it before anyone in 2019. Um, you know, and going into the NFL now, it's the second pick with the Jets. He's going to get to start on day one against the Panthers uh, on September 12th. What's your assessment of what he could do in the NFL? This is your chance to, you know, be ahead of the game again. I was ahead of the game for the college, Zach Wilson. <laughs> I am a little bit behind on the NFL aspect of what makes players uh, tick. I think it's it's significantly more of a business, obviously. So, uh how they've built around him, though, I don't hate. I think that they built a lot of the players this offseason, the signing of Corey Davis, um, the drafting of the offensive linemen. So, I mean, his blind side's protected with those mountain of men uh, on his left side, left tackle, left guard, Mackay Becton being number one. But getting Corey Davis, you know, the influx of talent at receiver, allowing him, I think Davis is a pure route runner and a solid route runner, but not a deep threat anymore, like he may have been at Western Michigan. So, I think the it's a sort of a timing offense, and I think that sort of pits to Zach's strengths in, in year one of the rookie season. So I don't want to go on record and say offensive rookie of the year, even though he does have the traits to do so. So but MVP? I will say a dramatically MVP. Yeah, MVP. Super Bowl <laughs> MVP? Who? No, it's the Jets. <laughs> I can't say Super Bowl. <laughs> I and, and that's the thing that's uh, like the hardest thing about this whole situation with Zach is like, I want Zach to do so well. I want him to just crush it and be amazing and be the – you know, second Hall of Fame from BYU or whatever. But, but, but Jets. And I'm like, oh, could he have dropped a three to the Niners? Because the Niners were ready to, like, t- just go to the playoffs, right? They have a team. So it's like, oh, am I being naive and thinking the Jets could be good? Hopefully at some point, not this year, but maybe in three years. I, I don't know. But Jets. It's hard, you know, right? I think we see an influx of that at least watchability this year. And that's whether that's Zach from a personal standpoint from all of us or if it's just – they're a fun team to watch with somebody that you're excited about. I know we were excited about Sam Darnold. Eh, maybe not as much when he was coming out and he was sort of this young guy at quarterback gunslinger at quarterback for him, but he never really panned out. Obviously I think that they didn't build around Sam Darnold and they're already starting to build around Zach uh, in not even in, before he was even drafted. So they knew they were going quarterback. They knew they were going Wilson early. And I think at this point, what they've done, they've, they've learned from their mistakes of not building around Darnold too well to build around Zach before he's even taken a snap. Cam, before we let you go, um, obviously, there's, there, as you mentioned a minute ago, you know, there are a lot of storylines uh, to look at, whether you're talking about BYU specifically or college football heading into this year. What, what's a storyline that maybe you're paying attention to that's really got your interest or an under-the-radar storyline that you're following that you think is, is going gonna, is gonna to play big this year? It's the quarterback battles across the country. We've, I don't think I can remember a time in recent history that this many blue bloods don't have a starting quarterback going in. Ohio State, Michigan, LSU has question marks between there two. Those are just the three off the top of my head. I uh, recently ranked all 130 quarterbacks um, in their starting quarterback situations coming out this afternoon, actually, oh, on oh. ProFootballNetwork.com. But uh, yeah, a little tease there. Um, I just, I, I don't, I can't remember a time in which that many, you know, national powerhouse if you want to go back to the ncaa 14 days six star programs 
like the OSU and Michigan that don't have a quarterback. Tennessee doesn't have a quarterback yet. And we're going into August at this point without them naming quarterbacks and still having battles through fall camp. That's not a an OSU thing to do. That's not a Michigan thing to do. So I'm very interested to see how those pan out. And I think ultimately those will have a major factor, not only in this season, but to the college football playoff as well. Well, even, you know, Bryce Young at uh, Alabama, it's like, hey, he's the guy, but like, is he going to be the guy in Notre Dame? You know, there are a million of those. So we look forward to uh, that article coming out. You don't want to, you want to tell us where like Jaron Hall is on that list or anything? I don't want to do that. I, I would, <laughs> I, I'll bury the lead there. I may not make it uh, in, the be- in, the, in the best of graces. Okay, Pro Football Network, the article coming out this afternoon. Cam, we appreciate the time. As always, congratulations on being right on Zach again. (laughs) My pleasure. Thanks again for the victory lap. I'll take him whenever. You got it, man. That's Cam Meller from Pro Football Network on uh, BYU Sports Nation. Honestly, after 2018, Cam said, listen, uh, Zach is a legit talent. He's a first-round talent. And it was like, okay, the kid started seven games. He was four and three, came off the perfect bowl game. And he's like, well... He had X interceptions, only Y were his fault. And we were like, okay, I think he'll be good too. But like, oh my gosh, He's, he saw that sooner than anyone I can recall outside of the Wilson camp. So again, victory lap. Congratulations to camp. And now Crush I'm it. extremely interested to find out where he has Jaron Hall after having that conversation. <sighs> Wouldn't even tell us. Coming, coming wow. out this afternoon, so we'll have to check that out. You know what? We'll find out. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Let's whip it. Whoop! The Google Whip Round, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging. Shipping problems. Let's go. BYU wide receiver Puka Nakua is named to the 24-7 sports all-transfer team. Yep. How much pressure is on Nakua to produce this year? There's some pressure. He didn't come to not play or not catch a ton of balls. I I do think he has a great shot at being BYU's receiving leader this year. Yeah. He or Gunnar Romney. I do think Puka is just really stinking good. Think about it. Four-star guy. Gunner. four-star guy. When does BYU have multiple four-star guys in the receiving court? Chase Roberts was a three-star, maybe four-star from somebody. Um, and he's going to be like the sixth or seventh option. Neil Paulo, Samson Nakua, Isaac Rex, Dallin Hooker, loaded in the receivers and tight ends. I, w- I would say there's pressure, man. Like, like, it's good pressure. It's, it's, it's good pressure, exactly. I, I think you could say pressure or expectations. And I think us as, as fans and analysts, we expect great things. Yes, Power 5 transfer from Warham, who's in Nakua. Yeah, we expect you to the be hype, good. The hype, the clout, like all that comes with, with, with it, man. I expect more with... from Puka than Samson, though, even though Samson's a senior, by the way. I agree with you. I think both will be good. I think Puka will be a, a little more volume there. Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett's first NIL deal is with a restaurant and includes a free meal each week for his offensive line. Did Pickett just set the stand for all college quarterbacks? He cha- man, he changed the <laughs> game with that one. Like... That and that's got. I mean, it's good. I like what he did. I I love the fact that he's like, you know what? These these are my boys right here. These are my guys. If they aren't successful, I'm not going to be successful. So let me put them first, and then ultimately I'll be able to hit my goals. Now, what that has done for the rest of the quarterbacks in college football? Whew, man. I mean, it's like if I'm an offensive lineman and I see this, and my quarterback doesn't do this. 
I'm gonna start thinking like, hmm. Okay, for hmm. BYU specifically, let's think about it. Hmm. Because the starter's not been named, I think that it's harder for whoever that guy will be to get NLI deals right now. If Jaron Hall was named the starter today, he'd be able to ink a ton of NL, NIL deals. You're actually you're right. It's, this relationship's kind of interesting I didn't, I, right now. I didn't even think about yeah. that. That's really that's an interesting point. And maybe in a topic. I'm hoping that for day. more of what I say is an interesting <laughs> point here. Maybe, maybe so. We'll see. Look uh, at <laughs> Doncic and Candace Parker are on the are the cover athletes for the NBA twenty. <laughs> 2022. 2022 game. Who would you put on the cover of BYU Hoops? I would think Alex Barcelo would be the guy. the face of the program, right? But hey, yeah. Caleb Lohner. I would put Shayla Gonzalez on the women's side. She's uh, extremely marketable. Hundreds of thousands of social media followers. So, yeah. I like I like, Bar- I like Barcelo as well. Yeah. I, I, you know, stuff like this, man, to me, it, it's all about the popularity. Oh, look at these custom hype. You Custom, know what I mean? Uh, covers, yeah. Those, that's a nice one. Look, a fun, fun one. I think we talked. We may have talked about this. 2010. Yep. I was on the back cover of of NCAA college football. NCAA college football, and right. I was getting juked by somebody. Um, what team? TC, uh, TC, TCU. Yep. There's a lot of juking going on. And, down I, and you know what? I like. At first, it was cool and everything, and it was it was fun. But then, when we got to that game in 2010, it actually happened to me. <laughs> that really bad. It was like one of those after '09. It was like one of those like woo, Jeremy Curley. That's what it was. Jeremy Curley was quick. Man, oh look, God. it was one of those ooh, and it wasn't you, like you got ooed like by the crowd, and it wasn't like those ooh. It was like a ooh. In 2010 was at Amon uh, G Carter Stadium. So yeah, yeah, yeah they, that was I mean, a tough day. Everything. Yeah, that yeah, it was. It was it was very tough. Mm-hmm. Little did you know, you'd be on the cover, <laughs> the back cover. Which BYU Cougar is the best at repping the Y as a pro? I gotta say Jamal, man. We're talking talking apparel here. I would say Jamal. I agree. When you have a hoodie with Cosmo's face on it, that's pretty good. You know, you know what? I think, I think, I think. Oh yeah, it's a onesie. That's Even a onesie. Better. That is that is. Oh man, that's that's hilarious. That's awesome. I think I think with Jamal, when you look at really representing. Um, anything, any type of brand, organization, whatever, you could tell he he truly loves BYU. Yep. And it's not like like when when you see certain celebrities, you know, that are sponsored and they go and wear it, it's it's really not hot or cold. Meaning you're indifferent about it, right? It's just like oh, he's wearing it. But then when B, when when Jamal wears it, though, it's like it's something ooh. else. It's like There's like a even, more there. even even ooh, I'm getting goosebumps. Even even fans or just college. I would say college football, NFL, whatever. When they see Jamal, they're not even invested in BYU. Maybe know nothing about BYU. They go, okay, yeah, that's that one kid wearing the Brigham gear. And he wore that on NFL Network, by the way. It wasn't like on BYU SN. Uh, Elijah Bryant wore a Cougars uh, hoodie at some point, you know, recently in the playoffs. Maybe it was before game four. I'm not sure. Okay, that's awesome. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Top 5 Tuesday presented by <laughs> Delta Airlines. Keep climbing the top 5 
Tyler Algier, plays of his career. Let's go. Number five versus Houston. 14-yard rushing touchdown. This touchdown capped off a big second-half comeback for the Cougars against the Cougars. BYU trailed 26-14 late in the third, ended up scoring 29 unanswered. Tyler Algier, 25 yards on 10 carries, but he managed to find the end zone. That cutback is sweet. Look at that. Also, this was the battle of 2016 Big 12. That looks like a second-round draft pick next year. That would be sweet, man. Number four, UMass. 2018-19, 2018-19, check that. 57-yard touchdown catch and run. More like a three-yard catch and then a 54-yard run. Tyler Algier literally switched, I think, to running back this week. That, that game? The week of this game? That was incredible. Uh, first of seven unanswered touchdowns against the high school known as UMass in a 56-24 blow. Hopefully everybody got to see it on flow. <laughs> there were 35 of you. <laughs> Number three, the 34-yard rushing touchdown against Navy. This was BYU's first touchdown in 2020, going around the outside in the end zone with the leap. Very nice. Algier sparked a very strong start for BYU. They end up winning the game 55-3. to Tyler, 14 carries, 132 yards, and two touchdowns. And as you recall, a uh, notable picture of his cleat where he had a strong message about cancer. Yes. Number two, 42-yard rushing touchdowns against Coastal Carolina. Mm. People don't like this game, but Tyler had a great, great game. Finished with 106 yards on 13 carries in a low yardage, low scoring game. Tyler with a great run here. The last regular season uh, touchdown he scored did have one touchdown in the bowl game as well. Tyler Algier with those taped up ankles running on that teal turf. I want a rematch. Let's get yeah, a rematch. Let's do it today. <laughs> hey, both teams getting one day notice. Just one day's notice, let's go. And it's in Provo. And number one. This is my favorite. And ironically enough, it turns out to be the number one play. 86-yard touchdown run against Boise State. Look at him rumbling, bumbling, stumbling in my Chris Berman impersonation on the blue turf. Look at that. BYU started on the five. Algier just taking it to the house. 123 yards, two touchdowns was enough for BYU to get the win over the ranked Broncos in Boise. Now, if I recall, I don't recall what number, but that's a top 10 longest run in BYU history. So it's it's a fantastic play. One of the best plays of the season. Those are the top five. Tyler Algier plays in his career at BYU. Listen, I expect many more to be added there. Many more. I would agree with you. This season, That's why he's my breakout season. player. Man, when he broke out, it was crazy. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Uh, a tweet came out about uh, Wallaroo Media being the first official sponsor of the BYU football team, partnered with uh, Ohana X, uh, donating $20,000 to the players, 100 players signed. Come be a part of what we're building. And now joining us is Brandon Doyle, the co-founder of Ohana X and founder of Wallaroo Media, to explain more about what this means. Brandon, how's it going? And welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Hey, it's going great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So we saw the tweet. We saw a front office sports tweet about it. I follow them. I was like, oh, this must be a really big deal, right? What does all this mean for Cougar football and these uh, 100 players that have been signed so far? Yeah, I mean, I think it it means a lot in the big scheme of things, but uh, in the weeds, we're just getting started. So it's 
Waller is the first sponsor of the BYU football team through the new, you know, NIL ruling and, um, and with Ohana X and, but it's just the first of many. So we're going to be working on getting a, a ton of sponsors for, for all the players and the team as a whole. Explain, Brandon, what the difference is between the two entities, meaning Wallaroo Media and then Ohana X. What, what's the difference between the two? Yeah, good question. So I, I'm the founder of Wallaroo Media. We've been around for like 10 years. We're an advertising agency. We've done a lot with influencers over the years. And so I started talking with some different people at BYU, um, with uh, Coach uh, Sataki, with Carl Sequoia. And anyway, we ended up creating, well, because I wanted to get involved once the new NIL rules passed, right? Um, and how it ended up working is we ended up creating a, a new a new entity called Ohana X. Um, and and so I'm one of the founders of Ohana. So Waller is separate from Ohana, but Waller is the first sponsor of Ohana. And now, you know, with all the players, it, it will be through Ohana X. That's who will be working to represent them, get them deals, free product, collaborations, all that kind of stuff. And that was a question I had a couple weeks ago, and I even reached out to compliance and said, okay, can they hire an agent? And, and the answer was, well, like a manager. And so that's where this feels like that comes in because if I'm Tyler Batty and I'm maybe the next big thing on the defense, uh, yes, I got a, a shotgun lip balm deal, but like who's helping me manage this? Who's helping me leverage me? Who's helping me say no to bad deals? Is that where you guys are going to come in with Ohana X? Yeah, exactly. So that's what that's why we came to the table. We have lots of experience with that. So we want to make it as easy on the players to a, you know, profit from their name, image, and likeness, but b, still focus on the on-field stuff and and practice and right. And so they don't have to go hustling for all their own deals. We're going to bring them to the table. We're going to vet them. We're going to make sure that they're not over-promising anything like that, right? And have to do stuff in perpetuity or whatever. And we're going to get them as many and as, and as you know, good of deals as, as we can. I'm almost surprised. I haven't heard more about other teams doing this where they just help out the whole team as opposed to every man for himself or woman in the case of the whole athletic department, right? So what, is, what does this yeah. mean for the guys? Like, what, how will this benefit them the most? Yeah, good question. Yeah, and to be honest, I haven't seen it yet either. Um, I think that's probably because – all these sort of new agencies like Ohana X, but all these other ones around the country, they're taking more of like a professional sports agency approach to the college athletes, which, you know, it's not like every player on the jazz is with the same agent, right? Almost all of them have different agents. Um, but by us representing, representing almost the entire football team, we can go to local companies like Wallaroo or, or any other local Utah company and say, hey, why don't, instead of maybe sponsoring just one player, why not go after the whole team, make a much bigger splash for you, and get them to all be posting about you, all 100-plus of them, all the time, instead of just one or two players or just having you know, a sign in the stadium or something. So maybe just to, for, for more clarification, then on an, on an individual basis with all of the individual players within the team that are part of this, it's, it's a collaborative effort. It's not just you guys saying, hey, we have this opportunity for you. If one of the players says, hey, I have this great idea, what do you think of it? They bring this to you, and then you guys kind of do the legwork. Is, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, to be clear, there's definitely going to still be individual deals that are going to be struck. So, 
you know, someone might, whoever the end of the starting QB ends up being, someone might want to just sponsor that person, right? Or someone might want to sponsor just Tyler Batty or, or whoever. Um, so we're still going to be working on individual deals, but Ohana means family, means no one gets left behind. And so we want to take care of, yes, the starting quarterback, but also the walk-ons who have to pay for their own tuition. You know, we want to pay, we want to take care of everybody. And so that's why we'll be focusing a lot on these, on these team-wide deals. I realize, Brandon, that this is, this just happened, uh, at least publicly. So, so maybe there's been some things, you know, behind the scenes where you, you've already had some feedback on this, but from, from, um, from an outside perspective, what's been the feedback you guys have received from potential companies that are like, hey, this is a really good idea. This may be something that I want to get invested in. Yeah, no, the feedback's been awesome. I mean, I myself have been having conversations with, I don't know, probably like, well, at least 100 different brands. And when I tell them that we have an entire team, basically, that they can sponsor – that gets them a lot more excited than me just saying, hey, I have four football players here. Do you want to sponsor all four or, or one or two of the four? You know. And then uh, similarly, I'll be talking to um, a company and you know, the name or, or the purpose of the company might, um, you know, might not necessarily fit with football as specifically. And so they might – anyway – it's been, it's already happened where they said, Hey, you know what? I'm not as interested in the football team for this sponsorship, but I would love to sponsor the track team because maybe in their name, it has to do with, you know, being fast or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to happen too, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're really excited about the feedback we've been getting. We're talking to Brandon Doyle, co-founder of Ohana X and founder of Wallaroo Media here on BYU Sports Nation. That diversification of the portfolio, if you will, for a company, not just the four of the whole team, is really interesting, right? Because, hey, what if those four don't pan out like you thought or they get hurt, right? If you get the whole team, hey, you're guaranteed to have some level of success. BYU has only had one losing season in the last you know, 15 years or whatever. Like BYU is going to at least make a bowl game, if not be much better. Last year was pretty incredible given that schedule. So what's the reality of the situation, Brandon? Because when people first heard about NIL, they're like, dude – this guy's going to rake in the cash. Like, that's not necessarily true for everybody and probably most players. So what's the reality of the situation of helping these guys maximize their name, image, and likeness? Yeah, and so that's why we really do want to focus on these team-wide deals because from a brand perspective, if they're getting 100-plus players who are all pushing out a message about their company consistently on social media – that's really powerful. Even if, you know, these players, let's say I haven't done the math yet, but let's say they have a total of like 150,000 followers on Instagram. So of course there's some overlap, but for sake of ease, that's 150,000 people that are seeing a message about a particular company multiple times and the brand can benefit for that. And so they, from that, and so they can pay a premium and we can pass that along to all these players individually. Well, that sounds great, and this is groundbreaking stuff. Uh, BYU, one of the first, if not the first, team to sign a deal with uh, you know uh, a marketing company and, and a media company, which is pretty exciting. So, Brandon, we appreciate the time, and uh, best of luck. I'm sure we're going to see you around. Thanks so much. Okay, that's Brandon Doyle joining us on BYU Sports Nation. That's really interesting, Jason, the idea that you would get a whole team. You're right. 
not just the individuals. Like you've seen, you know, uh, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma has different deals and, you know, d- different athletes. And the Fresno State women's basketball twins are a big deal on social, so they're capturing it. But the idea of a whole team yeah, is interesting too because then Cade Moore, walk-on wide receiver, he's in on it too. Which it, which is cool. well, yeah, and, and look, there's also look. Let, let's not kid ourselves. There are going to be instances, and I'm just not just talking about BYU. I'm talking about in college athletics. There's going to be jealousy. You know, everybody's a human being. No, and if somebody's making more and has more endorsements than somebody else, there's going to be some jealousy. I like the idea of being able to have a, a team. Plus, look, like he said, you go to a company and say, "Hey, how would you like to f- sponsor or you know have a team?" versus just a couple of players. Yeah, it's going to cost them a little more money, but the return may be significantly uh, more. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.